Hey, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome and thank you for being here at Crosswalk Church, wherever it is that you're watching from. We hope that you've had an amazing worship service, as always. And we hope that you're getting really ready for Christmas and um, spending the time together. We know some of our campuses will not be having services on the 24th, so we want to invite you all to watch the services that will be happening on our Redlands campus. If you'd like to, we'd love to see you all there. My name is Pastor Tim Gillespie. I'm the lead pastor of Crosswalk Church all around, and we are in week seven of this generous life, right? It's the penultimate. It's the, the last one before the last one. However, I want to remind you this. Um, as we do think about our giving this year, we have one extra um, on the 31st. We have the last Sabbath of the month. So there's five months, uh, five weeks, sorry, in uh, this final December. And so we want to make sure that you have all those opportunities to give to your local churches as well as give to Crosswalk Redlands or online, whatever it is that you give to. Um, we're really thankful for it. But today we're going to look at someone who in the list of these generous lives that we've looked at, right, through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, now looking, we've just looked at the, both of the, the parents of Jesus. Now we're moving into, and of course, next week, I, I won't keep it a secret, we're going to talk about Jesus and how Jesus continually lives this generous, generous life. But we want to understand, we're going to talk today about someone who is no less generous regardless, but often overlooked in the Christmas story. But the first thing we need to understand is that God continually gives. We know that God is a giver, right? Creation, life, Jesus, of course, next week. And today, today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And I want you to remember something from last week. God always moves first. We remember this, right? It's because God wants to truly be a model for us of this generous life. Therefore, he was willing to dismember himself. If you think about the Trinity, he was willing to dismember himself to give us Jesus and then dismember himself again to give us the Holy Spirit. He does this unprompted, willing to move first towards us because God is a God of intimacy and a God who's really interested in being as close to us as he can. The Holy Spirit, we often call the third person of the Trinity, but really the Holy Spirit is fully and completely God. We see the Holy Spirit from Genesis as the Spirit moved over the water, right? And therefore it is not last among the community of God, but equal. And we always talk about God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. That's the way that we talk about it, but that does not diminish, right? Order does not diminish what we think of the Holy Spirit. And it's important that we take a little time to delineate who and what the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. So the Holy Spirit has a vital function in the hearts and minds of believers. And there's really a lot of aspects to the Holy Spirit's work. And I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. I got a lot of stuff to cover today, but I want to go through these because they're important, right? First of all, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. This is one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. And when he comes, it says in John 16, 8, he will convict the world of its sin, God's righteous judgment, God's righteousness, and the coming judgment. The world's sin that it refuses to believe in me. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. And John 16, 10, righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. So we know that he's talking about leaving the Holy Spirit there. And this is the Holy Spirit's, one of the Holy Spirit's functions. But the Holy Spirit also gives new birth and new life. And we see this in Titus, a book that we don't go to all the time. And this is kind of a continued conversation that Titus is having in Titus 3. But he says, when our God, when God, our Savior, has revealed his kindness 
and love. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is involved in righteousness and conviction of sin and judgment, but is all also interested in new birth and new life that comes through the Holy Spirit. And we know from Ephesians 5.18 that the Holy Spirit fills us. It says in Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Make sure that that's what you're filling your life with. Of course, we see that the Holy Spirit dwells within us and we see this most profoundly, wow, my voice did something strange there. Most profoundly in the book of John chapter 14, these perichoretic relationships that we see Jesus talking about. Jesus saying, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. This is important, right? He leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it is not, it isn't looking for him. It doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you and will later now and will later will be in you. So this is him talking about the, the perichoretic or that indwelling, that mutual indwelling that we have. And Jesus is saying that it says he stands in front of these people and then he's saying, but it will be in you. Right? The Holy Spirit helps us in prayer. We see this in the book of Romans. 8.26 is the verse. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Holy Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Now, this is a really important text, especially if you've ever gone through something and you're not sure what to pray for. You're just upset. You're having a really hard time. It's hurting. We know that the Holy Spirit is working to translate those groanings and those moanings that we have and giving them to the Father as well. The Holy Spirit helps assure us, assure us of our salvation right? So you have not received a spirit, it says in Romans 8.15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. We now call him Abba, Father. We know that we have been adopted. We know that we are assured of this salvation. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. John 16.12, right? So there's much more I can tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard and he will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory, says Jesus, by telling you whatever he receives from me. Right? Through the Holy Spirit, through him, Christ Jesus gives gifts to every member of the church. We see this in 1 Corinthians 12, right? And works in us all the fruits of the spirits. Galatians 25, 22, and 23. The scriptures urge us to live by the Spirit, Galatians 5, 16, to be led by the Spirit, Galatians 5, 18, and to keep in step with the Spirit, Galatians 5, 25. We're warned against grieving or quenching the Spirit in Ephesians 4, 30, or Thessalonians 5, 19. It would be worth our while to meditate and reflect on each of these activities of the Spirit. But in this sermon, listen, I want you to notice how prevalent the Holy Spirit is as an act of generosity towards us. But a quick reminder of our understanding of the Trinity, okay? I, this is important because we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And I know I've rushed through a ton of things, so I'm going to slow down a little bit right now. This is what's important. And the different models that we have to understand the Trinity, some are easy, some are hard. 
the one that I think speaks most to me and certainly most to me in this particular time of Christmas is this idea of the Trinity as proximity, right? So we have God transcendent overall. He's far away from us and he feels sometimes very far away from us. And in fact, for most of the, the history, right, of the world, as people were trying to seek towards God, they found ways to try and bring God closer. Idols and that sort of thing were ways that they tried to bring God closer. Even the temple was a place where the Holy where God can dwell, right? Finally, we see Jesus and that's Jesus moving towards us so much more care, closely towards us, so closely towards us that he could be right next to us. Jesus incarnate in the flesh, a human being just like you and I, 100% human, also 100% divine. But then we have the Holy Spirit, this advocate, this guide, this counselor that has been given to us. And that moves from being incarnate next to us to being inside of us. Remember, all three, all at once, we're not going to fall into the heresy of modalism where we say God the Father just creates, God the Son just saves, God the Holy Spirit just guides. It's all three all the time. And the Holy Spirit is what constantly guides us back to Jesus or for the first time to Jesus. You've heard me mention it before, the provenience of grace. Even when we didn't know we needed God, the Holy Spirit was working on our heart to know that we needed God. And we see who God is completely through Jesus. So it's always all three all the time. If you're thinking about Jesus, the Holy Spirit prompted you to do that. If you're thinking about Jesus, you are understanding who God is because Jesus is the full revelation of who God is. You understand this, right? So Trinity is proximity. God transcendent, God incarnate, God intimate. If you can just remember that, then it's a worthwhile pursuit that we've understood in this particular text as we talk about the Holy Spirit. And you have to understand the Holy Spirit was given to us by God, certainly. The Holy Spirit was given to us by Jesus so that the continuity of our assurance of salvation, of our seeking truth, the continuity of all these things that really began as we understand Jesus continues in our lives. But I think that sometimes we forget that Jesus was in the Christmas narrative as well. And we see the Holy Spirit all throughout Luke's narrative. It's not absent in the story, rather deeply present, working and directing those who the angel and Jesus comes in contact with. We have perhaps not noticed this as our attention was often pointed elsewhere in the story, right? An angel shows up, we're going to think about an angel. Uh, a, a woman becomes pregnant, we're going to think about that. We, we don't have this feeling of the Holy Spirit being present, although the Holy Spirit, A, always is, and B, always was. We see him show up when we talk about the Holy Spirit in Zechariah, Right? Gabriel tells Zacharias that the greatest desire would be fulfilled, that he was going to be a father. And what's interesting is that Zechariah is shocked, right? Because of his wife's age and his age. And Gabriel tells him this, so that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. And during his ministry, he wants this for John. So he tells Zechariah, you know the story. Zechariah, Zechariah doesn't really believe it. Right? But when he finally, and we'll pick up there, Luke 1, 22, 
when he finally did come out, so he comes out of the temple, right? He'd been doing this, this task in the most holy place. He'd been doing this task that oftentimes priests would only do once in a whole lifetime, and it's interrupted by this angel, right? When he came, when he finally did come out, he couldn't speak for them, and he realized from the gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary, the vision or the angel. It's the power of God, right? Anytime we talk about the power of God, we understand that the Holy Spirit represents that power of God. And as promised, the power of God becomes evident in Zechariah's life when his wife Elizabeth became pregnant despite their advanced years. The Holy Spirit also represents the power of God in this world. Sometimes even when the name of the Holy Spirit is not necessarily given, we see the Spirit's presence in the miraculous signs that happen. So Zechariah is the first time the Holy Spirit shows up, whether it's by the power to make him mute or the power of that vision. Or we see the Holy Spirit there in the midst of the story with Mary that we went over last week. The second part of Luke's story, as it focuses on Mary, right? Luke one thirty-five makes it explicit that the Holy Spirit brings about the power of God. It's making this stuff happen. And we went through it last week, I apologize, but the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be bo- to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. We see God's power again through the presence of the Holy Spirit, giving Jesus, bearing Jesus, bringing Jesus to the world, as it were. We even see it in with the Holy Spirit and Elizabeth. It says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit was able to perceive that Mary was insanted, unsanted, sorry, with the Son of God under the power of the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth blesses Mary and the child that she was carrying, right? And we see this in Luke 1, 41. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit Are you catching the meaning here? I know we've been through, I mean, honestly, we've been through more slides than I normally do in a whole sermon. So maybe I should slow down a little bit. We see the Holy Spirit showing up and giving blessing. We see the Holy Spirit showing up and giving the announcement of Jesus. We see the Holy Spirit showing up and giving Jesus. We see the Holy Spirit showing up and recognizing Jesus, right? As the child leaped in the womb. We see this again and again and again because the Holy Spirit is prevalent and the Holy Spirit is intimate within everything that was happening. Jesus makes the argument that the Holy Spirit is is with you now, but will be within you once he leaves. But the Holy Spirit has always been a presence. And there's a generosity in that presence. God said, I want you to know that I will always be with you, that I will always be prevalent in your life, that I'll always be a presence. And this is the way that the presence works of God. You know, I think about, I think about these, these devices that we carry a lot, right? Um, and, and they're kind of a, a constant in our lives now. They didn't used to be. Some of us grew up before cell phones. We remember... Our dad's getting the first one in town. My dad was always an early adopter. So, you know, the, the, the luggage that you had to carry to make the phone work. But I remember my life away from the phone. Like we would, we would go places and not be able to contact anyone. 
have to use maps. And I, I remember one time I was, I was 18 years old and I was, it was the summer in between high school and college. And I took a road trip with some friends and we went up to, we we're driving a friend up to Eureka up in Northern California. We stopped by PUC to check it out. I'd never seen it before. That was a lot of fun. Went to San Francisco, hung out for a day or two. That was awesome. Um, and then we're, we're driving back on the five and I, I remember the exit. I can't remember the name of it, but I remember the exit every time I drive by still to this day, 35 or however many years later. And uh, I remember my, my transmission went out, broke down uh, outside of Bakersfield, but like on the five, so way outside of Bakersfield. And, and the car broke down. We had to push it off the road and we had to push it to a, it was a little hotel and I went in and I asked the guy, can I use your phone? And he said, he said, well, we don't really let people who aren't, you know, staying here, use our phone. I said, I know, but I'm stuck. And it's not, and nobody had a cell phone. Nobody. So finally let me use a phone and I had to call, I called my dad and he started calling around in Bakersfield and it took forever. And we had to go back and forth. And I think about, I think about not being that connected. And while sometimes it seems really beautiful, now that I have kids who drive, in fact, as I'm preaching this, my daughter is driving from Walla Walla to Portland. And I think, oh, I love the fact that I can see where she is. I love the fact that I can talk to her. I love the fact that there is this ubiquity of communication with the people that I love and the people that mean something to me. And really what Jesus was doing was setting up a communication system and setting up a GPS and setting up a, 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 a way to stay connected so that we could stay connected with God and God could stay connected with us. And we see this again and again through the Christmas story. God saying, I want to be here and I'm setting things up so I will be here. And we see through the life of Jesus as he speaks about the Holy Spirit, that there is a generosity in making sure that we're okay and staying connected with us all the time. There's more though. We see the Holy Spirit and John. I mean, the Luke Christmas story offers us a single verse about the young John, right? Luke 1, verse 80. John grew up and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to heal, right? He became strong in the spirit. The Holy Spirit was present. And he became strong. He became familiar. He became intimate and he understood it. How about this though? Some of the lesser known stories the Holy Spirit and Simeon. You remember that story. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. So the Holy Spirit said, hey, I want you to know that's Jesus. I want you to know the one that you've been waiting for. And I wonder how often this happens in our life. I wonder how often it happens that the Holy Spirit taps on us taps on our heart, if you will, and says, hey, that's Jesus. Or, hey, that's an opportunity to give Jesus. Or, hey, this is the moment that you've been prepared for so you can bring Jesus into the world, so you can bear Jesus into the world. We see the Holy Spirit again and again showing up and prompting people, even with Anna, right? The prophetess who was there saying, hey, she sees Simeon and the Holy Spirit prompts her and she goes, oh, and she recognizes the baby. Or even the wise men who, who were prompted by the Holy Spirit from a different land to come and see the child. The Holy Spirit is sometimes called the shy member of the Trinity. But the Holy Spirit's not shy at all. 
The Holy Spirit is constantly working in the background like that, that, you know, when you put a new app on your phone and, and it pops up and it says, you know, would you like this to track you all the time? It can track you behind. It doesn't even have to be on. And you go, well, no, I don't, I don't want that. And we all say no, that we don't want it, but then we do want it because we open up the app and we want to make it happen, right? We all understand that. Well, this is the Holy Spirit is working in the background in our operating system all the time, working and working and working constantly, keeping track of us, knowing where we are. And I know that can sound weird, but it's not for that. It's for our safety. It's for God's love for us. When it says the Holy Spirit was upon him, it means that we're recognizing, hey, the Holy Spirit is moving us in a direction. The Holy Spirit is prompting us. And we have these promptings from the Holy Spirit. We sometimes call them acts of conscious or, you know, our, our conscious is telling us something or our, our, we're just going to make a decision that way, even though it doesn't seem like it makes all that much sense. We actually believe that the Holy Spirit still works. And yeah, you can take that really, really far and you can become manipulative with the way you think the Holy Spirit works in the world. And I think that's always a danger and we need to be careful. But this is the thing that we can say about the Holy Spirit. We can say that the Holy Spirit is constantly working in the background to bring Jesus to us, to let us know that Jesus has been born and born again in our lives. And it's funny, right? We talk about being born again because we're being born again and we're given a second chance. But when we recognize Jesus in our life, it's really Jesus being born again in our lives. And that's a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to regenerate our hearts and renew our spirit, to grow us, to teach us. Remember, God the Father, transcendent, Jesus, incarnate, the Holy Spirit, intimate. You see, we even see the Holy Spirit in the Luke narrative working with Jesus. Right? We see when, the Holy, when Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom. And God's favor was on him. God's spirit was with him. So I suppose the question we need to ask today, because we do need to ask a question, is how is the Holy Spirit generous in this story? And how is it generous in your story? See, the Holy Spirit's greatest generosity is in how it is constantly giving Jesus away, constantly pointing us towards Jesus. The Spirit often comes in our lives first to let us know our need and to push us towards, and of course, to help us recognize who Jesus is and what Jesus looks like in my life. Simeon, Anna, the wise men, Zecharias, Elizabeth, Mary, certainly Joseph, all the Spirit's work culminates in Jesus. That's why I don't say that the Holy Spirit is the shy member of the Trinity, like theologians have actually said. There's a book about it. It's actually quite a good book. But it's the first time I read the phrase that the whole function of the Holy Spirit is to lead us to Jesus. That was the first time I understood it. All of the Spirit's work culminates in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the perfect revelation of who God is. All three 
all the time. The Holy Spirit always announces Jesus. And that is the great generosity of the Spirit. Right? That's the, that's the incredible generosity that God has given us, that we are constantly pointed back to the one who is there in creation, to the one who saves us, to the one who is the full revelation of God. <laughs> and I don't think we give the Holy Spirit enough, I don't know, real estate in our theology, enough time. Because I think, I think the Holy Spirit is sometimes used as a tool, right? It's sometimes used by people of faith as a tool to get the things we want or to do the things we think God should be doing in the world. And we'll say stuff like by the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you say something by the power of the Holy Spirit, all that means really is that the power of the Holy Spirit is to recognize Jesus more and more. So we should probably be a little careful of what we use the Holy Spirit for. But that ubiquity in which we experience the Holy Spirit is important, right? Recognizing that this is the constant stream, the constant thread that goes throughout our whole lives, that our lives should constantly be redirecting towards Jesus. I think about, I think about my life as this orbit around Jesus. And my whole goal is to get as close in that orbit as I can to Jesus, constantly being moved, constantly being guided by the Holy Spirit. And I feel like even evangelism in that midst is me, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we could say, helping someone that I come in contact with on my orbit as, and their orbit as we orbit around this gravitational center of the universe, this Jesus that holds the universe together. I feel like it's my job, by again, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to help direct someone to a closer orbit around Jesus as well. So that Jesus might be born again in them and they in turn might be born again. We've forgotten, sometimes, we've forgotten the role that the Holy Spirit plays in all of this. And I think we need to rediscover it, especially in this Christmas season. Because God the Father gave us so much, dismembered himself so that we might remember him through Jesus. But man, that Holy Spirit, again, all equal. But the Holy Spirit in this story was laying the foundation, was working behind the app, was creating the opportunity and the operating system so that Jesus could be born, right? So that Jesus could be born. You know, there's actually a word that means to be born. And that word is Noel, right? So we sing that song, the first Noel. Well, the Holy Spirit was the first Noel. The angel said it, but it was given before that. It means that God is to be born. And he's born here with us. That's the incarnation of Jesus. 
an incredible generosity of God that goes beyond just the pointing, goes beyond even, I would say, the generosity of the Holy Spirit, which is incredible and powerful and is, is for us and towards us. But it, the incarnation is something completely different. I can't wait to talk about that next week. I'm not gonna go there yet. But the first Noel, that came from the Holy Spirit. God sending the Spirit to remind us that Jesus is born and born again in you. Let's just bow our heads today. Gracious God, I wanna thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's the only reason why we're here. And I'm not talking about the only reason why we're here at Christmas. I'm talking about the only reason why we're here in church, recognizing who Jesus is. We would have missed him. And we often have, but the Holy Spirit continues to work on our hearts, continues to work on our eyes, continues to work on our ears so that we might hear and we might see the rebirth of Jesus in our lives, in our children's lives, in the lives of those around us. Lord, we are so grateful for it and so thankful for it. So Jesus, as we get prepared to really celebrate you next week, I want to say thank you for sending the Holy Spirit that reminds us even that we should even think of you. May the Holy Spirit be a constant, ubiquitous and intimate present in our lives. Pray this in your name. In the name of Jesus, of course. Amen.